0: Your shelf for mine Talking sophistry Shelf.
1: Or mine.
0: I'm Becky standall Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library.
1: I'm Austin Brigden, Administrative Assistant at the Longview Public Library.
0: And welcome to a new year of Your Shelf or Mine. We've had to take um, a bit of a hiatus, an unplanned for hiatus for a while and are coming back, um, I guess not, not particularly strong, a little behind already. Um, but we've uh, set up something exciting for 2022 with a podcast and we're really excited to get started. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this year our podcast is going to be structured around a reading challenge that we're calling Our Shelf and you can follow along on Beanstack, longviewlibrary.beanstack.org and every month we'll be reading and talking about a different author and their work we're starting with January 2022, reading the work of Helen Hong. And next month, February, we'll be doing Jason Reynolds. You can sign up for the challenge on our Beanstack page and see the whole list of authors coming up. See the activity badges and you can work um, read ahead or read behind and just mark the challenge activities completed once you've done them. So you don't have to do the January ones just in January. You can go back and read and listen kind of at your own pace. The challenge takes place over the entire year.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, we made an effort to pick a, a really broad group of writers. It's, it's going to stretch our reading habits and hopefully uh, make for some exciting discoveries for you. Um, it's very exciting, too, the activities, um, y- y- reading various works of these authors, but also watching adaptations, listening to audiobooks, books, watching uh, documentaries. There's a lot of ways that you can participate.
0: Yeah, and like Austin said, we've made an effort to pick different genre writers, um, people writing for different age groups, fiction, nonfiction, um, so I'm really excited. It'll be really cool. Classics.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, we're, we're all over the place
0: yeah um, so before we get started, wanted to do some updates about what's been going on at the library.
1: yeah, we're having our building restoration as if if you've been around the building lately, you've seen the man lifts and the wonderful crew that's been pressure washing and doing brick and terracotta repairs. It looks better every day,
0: yeah, it's very beautiful, and that's gonna be taking um place over the next couple of months. They're going to be doing some roof repair also.
1: Yep. In the spring, some roof repair just in time for the city's centennial, mm-hmm. which we're we're very grateful uh, for the investment city council made in the building. So that's a big thing. Uh, and we just wrapped up winter reading, right?
0: Yeah. So our 2022 winter reading program read for a better world is through bean stack and that just ended on January 31st. And so everyone who finished that month's challenge, which was to read five months during the month of five books during the month of January, will get a free t-shirt printed that says I heart my library and um have been entered into a grand prize drawing. So that was really fun. We had a similar amount of participation from last year where we had a little under 200 people participating, and about 60% or 70% of those
1: almost, people f- almost seventy almost finishing
0: 70. the challenge, which is really
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. I did.
0: Mm-hmm. I read like 26 books in the month of January.
1: Okay, okay. Settle down. <laughs> wow. So one of
0: my, my things is I'm just coming off of having served on a big awards committee, And almost all of my reading last year was dedicated to reading for that award. And that's kind of one of the reasons I ended up having to take a break for the podcast is that I didn't have time to read other books that weren't for that committee, but I also couldn't talk about the books that I was reading for that committee. This year, I am not on a reading committee, and so I'm really excited to just, you know, read along with this podcast and and do some catching up on stuff that I'd kind of wanted to read but didn't have time for last year.
1: Yeah this is this is a very exciting thing Becky's talking about. She was on the Prince Award Committee, the award for young adult literature. Um, It's a great thing and a great point of pride for the library and for our community to have her representing uh, in that way. So Y'all check out the Prince winners.
0: Yeah, so we awarded um, the um, Prince Award to Firekeeper's Daughter, which is a young adult mystery novel, um, and it also has all these other interesting facets of the, of the story. That's by Angeline Booley. and then we gave four honor books to Last Night at the Telegraph Club by mm-hmm. Melinda Lowe, Revolution in Our Time by Kekla Magoon, Starfish by Lisa Phipps, and Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas.
1: Yeah, all, from what I've heard, excellent (laughs) books. Um, I just wanna say before we move on to the topic at hand, too, that um, we've got an amazing influx of of gorgeous new material coming in. The Foundation, which supports us uh, every year in our materials, went the extra mile this last year. And purchased a bunch of new nonfiction titles, so uh, you, you're going to come in and see new things every day uh, lately. So, so come on down.
0: Mm-hmm. And then part of um, part of serving on that um, awards committee is that publishers send me books for free, and um, we're not allowed to sell them, um, but we can add them to our library collection. And so we have. A great deal of new titles for young adults from 2021 also.
1: Yeah, this is an exciting time for YA at the library. Mm-hmm. If, if y'all didn't know, the, the YA collection moved from uh, its home of some Thirteen number of years, years, 13 years, up to the main floor.
0: 14, maybe 15 almost. Uh,
1: down, down toward the end by the staircase to the mezzanine. And it's just the beginning. Uh, we've got exciting things planned for that space. It's gonna allow this vibrant collection to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just very exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I think for a number of years, the, the teen collection had so much outgrown its space that uh, I, we couldn't shelve everything we had on the shelves that we had and now we can and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's funny when I was trying to calculate that year, I, I just keep thinking we're still 2020, but here we are in 2022.
1: Yeah, yeah, time is weird.
0: <laughs> it was just an easier period to um calculate time from yeah um all right yeah so the library i think is in a is a period of f- flux right now yeah um so we'll try to keep you updated here on the podcast but also check out the Net library newsletter yeah which comes out once a month we'll let you know what's happening we'll
1: let you know what's happening a lot of exciting opportunities mm-hmm. on the horizon we're glad you're here with us for the ride and with that um I'll let Becky start us off here she's the 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 master of this genre I'm the student so let's just see
0: I would say maybe compared to you I'm like a master of the genre (laughs) but to someone who is really into the genre I would not be considered so okay um But when we were deciding who to start the year off with, I was like, I want a book that's like, or an author who writes something that's like easy to read, fun, that I could just like a page turner. And so um, we picked Helen Hong, who writes romance novels. And this is Austin's first experience ever having read like a genre romance, um, which is really fun. Her books, she has had three books published so far the kiss quotient was her first book and this was published in 2018 her second wow she's moving fast she is her second novel the bride test was published in 2020 i believe 2019
1: 2019
0: and then her third novel the heart principle was just published last year
1: i think that's right yeah 2021 yeah and um she's on a hot streak
0: she is on a hot streak so i read the kiss quotient when it came out it had a lot of attention um right off the bat and so uh it was on my radar i loved it i read the follow-up soon after it came out and um the third book the heart principle was one of those i was just talking about where it's like i really wanted to read it last year but i didn't have time um so it Ended up being one of the first non uh award consideration books that I read this year.
1: Yeah, I had I had heard of this book. Um actually one of our part timers, Joanne Dallas, had had recommended it in our staff picks mm-hmm. display. Joanne Dallas, uh, who is the queen of romance displays <laughs> here at the library. Yeah. She's just got a new Valentine's romance display up. Um so I'd seen it. Um
0: and I t- think I talked about the kiss question on the podcast when I read it.
1: I think you did and I didn't I didn't really know what to expect uh, but I liked it a lot it's interesting um, I've been thinking a lot about genre mm-hmm. the last couple of years both in, in terms of you know working in our collection and different areas of our collection and trying to learn about different different worlds book worlds I started reading uh, Craig Johnson's uh, Longmire mysteries so that was kind of I would say my first dip into like series genre in a really long time, like since I was probably since I was a teen, and I had forgotten. There's a lot of things I had forgotten. Just how much pleasure there is in in like a series like that, and returning again and again. And it's the same with these, although a little bit different. Mm-hmm. A little bit different.
0: Yeah, so it's it's interesting to talk to Austin about it because he's not like familiar with the genre and be like, oh, it's interesting how this book does this. And I was like, oh, that's very, very common in, in the genre. So these three books feature three different couples and they're interconnected. The ma- the male main character in each one is like a brother or a cousin to the other ones, mm-hmm. um, which is a common thing that happens yeah. in romance where it's either like a small town where you have different interconnected characters that are friends or groups that are family, there's sometimes like, you'll get a series that's like all these women and they belong to the same book club and then mm. they each have their own little romance book. It's a very delightful
1: mm-hmm. way to move through a world, I think. Um, and it's real, it's subtle. Because like if you picked up The Bride Test, her second book, mm-hmm. you could pick it up and read it yeah. without ever having read. And I, I think, I know that that's a thing that you try to do in genre. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting.
0: So um, The Kiss Quotient, her first book, is a um, kind of like a gender-swamped pretty woman story. Mm. And the...
1: It sounds like Helen Hong is a real mix of, you know, there's the things that are common to the mm-hmm. genre, and then things that are really unexpected, right? And it, and it sounds like we've talked about this before the podcast. There's a real evolution of her as you read these three books. I've only read one and (laughs) four-fifths, but Becky's had read all three and described the third one to me, and it does seem like there's an evolution, but she's both participating in the genre and sort of troubling it with these different new things.
0: Yeah, so I think the Kiss Quotient came out kind of at this um, beginning of uh, more attention being paid by publishers in publishing more diverse titles in romance genre. And um, I think that was one of the things that people really liked about it. So Stella, the main character in this one, is um, on the autism spectrum. And she has hired an escort, whose name is Michael, to teach her how to have a sexual relationship at first, but then also then just an emotional relationship and be like a relationship coach for her.
1: Right. Practice boyfriend.
0: A practice boyfriend, because um, her mother has told her she's ready to have grandchildren, and um, Stella has no confidence in being able to form like a romantic a relationship with anybody because of her difference. And it's it's very fun, um, but it's also really great to hear to see like this different kind of. Oh, narrative perspective.
1: Yeah. And the, and it seems like like you said diversity in romance is exploding mm-hmm. right now. And it's so interesting, I think you could kind of summarize Helen Hong's backstory yeah. to this to, to to writing these kind of characters.
0: Yeah, so she has a, an author's note in the in the back of The Kiss Quotient where she talks about her her ex- experience with autism was that her daughter as a child had a a teacher who um, thought that she might be on the spectrum and had talked to her mother about getting her tested and seeing if there was a diagnosis there. And so they went through this process and ended up not diagnosing her daughter with autism spectrum disorder. But um, through the process of learning about it and stuff, Helen Saw herself in that information and ended up pursuing a diagnosis for herself and learning that she was on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and having so many con- like connections to the diagnosis that she didn't understand before. And that, that was really specific to her being like a woman um, because her understanding of autism mm-hmm. before was based off of a lot of
1: the sort of male presentation. Yeah. Of-
0: and stereotypes of. um you might think like of Sheldon on the Big Bang right. Theory. Or so. Well,
1: she talks too about you know, and this goes back to the, sort mm-hmm. of the way women are conditioned in the society to a much more hidden autism to sort of hide and smooth over in a way that's different from how right men with yeah. autism are treated.
0: Right, and they call that masking. So masking, um, yeah. yeah, presenting, looking around you, and then and then acting like other people act in order to make um, the people around you more comfortable
1: on top of that, you know, i think it's not uncommon right now and for the last however many years for adults to be finding as the culture has come to recognize this mm-hmm. spectrum people coming late to yeah. diag- later to diagnoses and uh, uh, that was just such a fascinating mm-hmm. little bit at the end.
0: Yeah, and then and then she talks in that in the afterward too about how she'd had this idea in her mind for a while about writing a romance novel that was a gender-swept pretty woman story, but she couldn't find, like, an entryway into the story why this, like, rich, successful woman would hire an escort, Um, and then she found that connection um, there.
1: Yeah, and the characters are so delightful. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what drives this book, is you fall in love with these two characters, and... Hong is so good, and I think she just gets better at it in the second book. She's just getting better and better at setting up all these tensions. So there's sort of the main tensions of the book between them. The will they, won't they, mm-hmm. he thinks this, she thinks this, misunderstandings. But then there's also there's other things going on. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, Stella's condition. But there's also Michael's got a past mm-hmm. or – he doesn't have so much of a past, but his family has a past and he has a he has some hang ups about it.
0: Yeah. Um, and it also explores um, that the books also explore the different Asian-American identities. The characters have Michael and his family are Vietnamese, the female character and the heart principal is Chinese. And and that offers like different diverse perspectives to the story, too.
1: Yeah, well, and it also deals with sort of mixed-race mm-hmm. questions, particularly the KISS quotient, because they are both mixed-race um, people. And then, so I don't know how you want to do this. Should we want to go through and talk about each book? Yeah, let's talk okay. about each book. Uh, do you want to move on to the Bride Test, or do you want to talk more about...
0: Well, did you have anything else to say about the KISS quotient? I think one of the funny, funniest things to me, to see Austin like reading these for the first time, is you like, surprised at how steamy the first book is. It is,
1: you know, I expected some steam, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, there's a, there's a level of, uh, specificity, <laughs> uh, that I didn't expect from the tone of the book in general and sort of the, you know, cheery, bright cover, you know, I don't know. But, but it, you know, um, it was great.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I really have recommended Kiss Quotient to a lot of people. And I think if you're just starting with her, that's like a good place to start. But you don't have to start there. You can start anywhere. Um, Yeah. And, you know, going in knowing that as a romance, like as a genre romance, like it's going to work out in the end. Um,
1: Really? They all work out. They all all work out in the end somehow.
0: And, um, that's not going to spoil any of the stories for you.
1: I should say too that that you know we talked a little bit about this, and I think it was part of the appeal—not all of the appeal—but part of the appeal for Longmire to, for me too is is uh, a different kind of lightness to these books, which I've found really nice in difficult times. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're going through some difficult times, uh, so many of us, and these books do you know very transporting and like like Becky said, page turners, you just sort of, it It feels like, you know, you to be in the middle of one of these books, you know, after, you know, a long day, you know, you sink into this book kind of like, ah, you know? Yeah. So that's a really nice thing. And it's interesting, being fresh to the genre, I would say things like, oh, it's interesting this, and Becky would be like, well, yeah, um, that's <laughs> how they all are. But, uh, but, you know, I'm like, oh, I see that, you know, there'll be this situation, and then it'll seem like it's going to work out, and then there'll be a crisis, mm-hmm. and it's not going to work out, and then they'll fix it. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the 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 plot of every romance novel is that there's um, generally two characters who have feelings for each other in some way or another. There's some... Obstacle. Obstacle. Sometimes they'll get together, and then there's an obstacle, and then they break up, and then... There's a resolution and they get back together and then it's happily ever after. And
1: misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. That seemed like you'll see in, in, you know, you're omniscient. Mm -hmm. Or you're really, well, you're not really omniscient. You're sort of moving between character perspectives. So you know what's going on on both sides. And you're like, oh, no, because they're almost perfectly misunderstanding the Mm -hmm. situation, both of them.
0: Yeah, and the autism uh, perspective lends itself to that.
1: It does. Uh, it really does. Quite
0: a bit. And that's um, like this g- subgenre of romance, like the fake relationship one, is one of my favorite ones. And I think that's probably one of the reasons I like Kiss Quotient so much because it, by its nature, set, sets it up as like rife for misunderstanding um, because you're pretending or are you really pretending? When does it can become real for somebody and is it real for the other person now too? I love it.
1: Yeah, and so her second novel, which I'm in the middle of now, or close to the end, actually, mm. is The Bride Test. And and then there's some there's some sort of, it's not exactly fake romance, but it's similar because, uh, so in this one, Michael, the character from The Kiss Quotient, his cousin, Kai, is one of the central characters, um, briefly introduced in the first book. Mm-hmm. Uh, And and he's in a situation—he is the one uh, with autism, and his mother, who's a a big personality, has decided to go to Vietnam and find him a wife. And he doesn't know about any of this. And so he finds this woman. uh, um, She takes the American name, the English name, uh, Esme, finds her and brings her back and sets up this sort of trial period over the summer and then has already booked a reception room. For <laughs> August, and so they have to decide you know so that she can like i don't know get back her deposit or something um,
0: well, there's this whole s- story where she she needs to leave uh, Vietnam and, and she wants to become American and have all of these opportunities yes um, and so she's, she has, she's really motivated to make it work
1: yes, well, but the the tension and the and the interesting thing is that it goes on in in the book is what is she motivated by Hmm. Her motivations shift. We'll Mm -hmm. say that. But then there's also, you know, sort of side things going on. And this is true in the Kiss Quotient, too. There's also, you know, she's got, you know, uh, she's mixed race, has an American father that she doesn't know. And so there's also this side plot sort of suspense about will she find her father. Um, And I think Helen Hong is really good at, like, setting up a bunch of those different things. So there's the central sort of suspense the thing you're oh what's going to happen but there's there's usually other tensions set up in the book
0: yeah I um meant to reread all three um but I did not get a chance to reread the bride test um so I'm just mostly going off of what I remember from a couple of years ago
1: Um, it's a it's a it's a really I I'm I'm enjoying it I think there's a real pleasure to variations on a theme and when Mm -hmm. you're talking about sort of like playing with conventions, um, you're kind of like, oh, what's she going to do with this? And and, and it, it's very interesting. Obviously, she switches the, the genders so mm-hmm. that the person uh, dealing with autism is the man in this situation. Um, it feels different. It feels different. It's obviously of a piece with the Kiss Quotient, but it does feel like she's... Growing in complexity as she writes these books. And mm-hmm. I can't speak to the third one, but that's the sense I got from Becky.
0: yeah. so so her third book is The Heart Principle, and it follows Anna's son, who's a violinist for the San Francisco Symphony, who's on a um, break from the symphony. She had had this brush with fame, um where this video of her performing kind of filling in for this really well-known uh, musician. Went viral, and she had gotten this great tour and a and a record contract and stuff, and has reached like a breaking point where she cannot perform anymore, and she can't finish a piece, and so she has started therapy to to help her deal with that, and after a few sessions, her therapist suggests that she might ha- um, be on the autism spectrum which is very much in line with the author's story. I think this is um, probably the most autobiographical story that she's written. Meanwhile, her long-term boyfriend um, tells her that he wants to try dating other people before deciding whether or not he wants to marry her. And she has a very, like, people-pleasing personality, so she says okay, um, but that also she's going to try it then, too. And so, she gets on the apps and tries to have a one night stand, and ends up on a date with Quan, um, who is also Michael's cousin and Kai's brother from the second book. And he is a great character, like a real nice guy, but also like shaved head, tattoos, rides the motorcycle, like looks like a bad boy, but
1: suave, yeah, charming. Mm-hmm um successful with yeah. the ladies you get the sense but yeah. not
0: not like a cat but not
1: like a bad guy like right. a nice guy
0: and he is just um kind of getting back into the dating scene after having had testicular cancer um so that's going on with him and their first date is terrible and they keep kind of trying to have the one night stand again until they're they're just dating <laughs> um which is fun Um, But then the the story takes like a turn where it's almost stops being a romance novel and becomes something more serious. So Anna's father has a stroke and she is recruited by her mother and older sister who are very overbearing towards her to be a full-time caretaker of him with them. And so the book ends up dealing a lot with caretaking, burnout. It talks about burnout of people who do caretaking, but also of autistic burnout, um, and not ever having a, a break from that masking and that pretending to just trying to make other people comfortable and happy. And a great deal of the book is just about that. And it gets a little heavy i guess look heavier than the other two books but i really liked it and i really liked that that perspective and i think um it's a little timely too people are talking a lot about work burnout and um especially around caretaking so
1: yeah so it it sounds like there's a real arc mm-hmm. and it makes me real interested to see i don't know have you heard any talk of the next Helen Hong book
0: I have not no and it like in my mind I could see like from the kiss quotient you know she interest she introduced these two cousin brothers like you can see like they're the ones that are going to have their next relationships but I don't know if there's anyone else in the world now that she'd be writing about I'm not sure there's... oh
1: so you think this might be kind of a trilogy and then maybe she moves on
0: maybe um yeah and this one deals with kind of cultural stuff interesting, too. So Anna is um, Chinese-American, which is like, different than in the other books. And Quan feels that, like, when he meets her family, that he's, like, the wrong kind of Asian for them. And it deals a little bit with um, that nuance, too.
1: Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. There's a lot of nuances mm-hmm. she's playing with. Uh, class. Race, and I know that's a common thing Mm in the romance genre. I get the sense, yeah, class, but then race, neurodiversity. She's juggling a lot of different things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then it also there's like a through line in all of the stories, which is very. um, It's not the like main storyline in any of them, but in um, in the first book we learn that Michael is a tailor, and his mother had had like a, you know, dry cleaning and alterations company that he worked for and he ends up working with Quan to kind of pursue that and their their business is like in the background and different developments with it through the three books
1: yeah yeah
0: which is fun it's nice to see like it's not a super important part (laughs) but to see what happens like as the as the stories go through
1: yeah yeah no it's interesting now i'm really curious what Mm -hmm. she'll do next I could imagine, you know, we've run out of uh, eligible bachelors in the family. (laughs) Right. But I don't know. Maybe she pivots. Uh, Well, Maybe she pivots. Michael's got sister Janie.
0: Michael's got a slew of sisters. No, you know, I could see
1: her pivoting um, in a number of different directions. And then, you know, all she has to do is pivot to say Janie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she can set up in that book where she's going to go next. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Actually, now that you mention it, I do think that would be fun to have a, have a book about.
1: Janie's Janie. like an, you know, um, there's a real through line, too. I'm thinking of it. J- Janie is um, like an economics major. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little side thing with her becoming an intern to Stella, mm-hmm. uh, who's an econometrician um and there's a lot about econometrics Mm -hmm. there's a real through line of like passion everybody's do real got like a thing and Mm -hmm. they're real passionate about it and i know you know people on the autism spectrum it sounds like there is a stereotype but there's also a truth that sounds like about passion yeah ability
0: cultivating like deep interests in something yeah yeah.
1: you know the We've got a couple of people who it's numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael who's not autistic, you know, we've got the Taylor thing. Uh-huh. You know, there's, yeah. there's different things going on.
0: And Stella in the first book is also she's like as a hobbyist. She plays the piano and she's a she musician. The
1: yeah. There's a there's a lot of different you know, passions going on. Um I could see it going in a lot of directions. Mm-hmm. A lot of directions. No, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure um and they all have really great
0: cover designs too
1: oh beautiful yeah
0: i like this one is like and yeah, it's like in the center and then around her and this like a heart kind of a yeah it's a heart but it's motorcycle tread and then there's a little it's a heart but it's like a motorcycle tread and there's a little you know figure on a motorcycle that's quad. so that's fun
1: yeah no they're they're really beautiful and i, I you know it's, it's really interesting for me as a person who works in libraries mm-hmm. to, you know, extend your reach and broaden. And, and so I feel like I'll be better at thinking about what we need mm-hmm. for romance in the library.
0: And it um, puts something in your pocket to recommend to people, too.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And gives you an understanding of the genre,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is helpful. I know this has been a long time. This genre has been a long time. Interest of yours. Mm-hmm. What do you think your favorite romance is?
0: Like of all time? Sure. Pfft. Um. Okay. Um, okay.
1: Do you want me to narrow it down? Let's say, what is your favorite <laughs> contemporary romance? Because that's what these are.
0: Yeah. I really like these ones. And I guess I wouldn't say that I have read as many as I would like to. Um. Anyways, probably my favorite, I've read, I think, most of Christina Lauren's books, which is actually, like, the pen name of two people who write together. One, whose name is Christina, and the other, whose name is Lauren. And um, they write, they've written a couple of YA novels. They've written, like, several contemporary romance. And then they've written a few that are more in the, I would say, like, women's fiction. Um, they're not quite romance novels um when you get nitpicky about genre which I can do and probably their favorite my favorite of their their books is called Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating um which is hilarious and um it's about two friends who've been friends since college who um decide to like help each other out by setting each other up on like a series of blind dates that they go on together, They're like double blind dates and each one is like more terrible than the last one until of course they like figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that book. Maybe that's my favorite. I don't know. Um, there's also an author called Talia Hibbert who wrote a book called Get a Life, Chloe Brown, which is a, uh, features a character who has um, like a chronic illness Mm. I think she has fibromyalgia and it talks about that you know in that romance perspective where she's talking about you know how you have a romance when it hurts sometimes to be touched Yeah. and um, anyways that one was really good and she has others um, connected ones that I've been meaning to read for a few years so I'm excited to do that this year too kind of catch up on some of these titles yeah yeah so, yeah, I love, a, I love a good rom-com, and it seems like there's not many movies being made <laughs> that, that, like, scratch the uh, itch for me, but a lot of books being published that do.
1: Yeah, y- you know, we've, we've spent some time, and we may have spent some time on this podcast, I don't recall, talking about rom-coms and mm-hmm. talking about sort of a golden era of rom-coms. Um, there's actually a book that the library is going to be getting about um, sort of the rom-com, the, that, that era. Um, that I think you'll be interested in, From Hollywood with Love is the title of that one. Mm -hmm. But uh, we talked a little bit about how I could see these being made into a very good, in the right hands, right? Mm -hmm. Very good. I could see adapting these.
0: Yeah. And we'll probably come back to that discussion about rom-coms later this year when we do a month of Nora Ephron.
1: Yes. There's a lot to look forward to this year, I got to say. Yes, that is sort of the level of... uh, artistry that you would hope would come to something like this sure yeah i think these are a great entrance it sounds like Mm -hmm. they were for me i think good yeah yeah yeah. i
0: was worried i was like oh he's not gonna like it and then what will i do
1: oh (laughs) well no no and you know we're gonna be taking so uh, this month as it (laughs) happens uh we're gonna be pivoting now to jason reynolds yeah and we won't say a whole lot because we wanted to talk a bunch uh on the february podcast mm-hmm. but
0: uh but um he's a favorite author of mine he writes primarily for children and teens um and i've been telling austin to read um long way down i think for a long time so now i gotta make him do it
1: yeah the podcast is is a great um instrument for us to force ourselves to read <laughs> things that we should read mm-hmm. That we should read mm-hmm. sometimes you need an assignment right
0: yeah so i'm literally looking forward to that and to re- like getting to reread some some of his books too or maybe read some that I haven't read yet
1: so. yeah I'm excited and then I think the month after that uh, March March we're
0: doing Beverly Cleary Beverly
1: Cleary that's mm-hmm. gonna be fun we may have a special guest for that one we may have special guests throughout the year then in fact I hope we do but we've got yeah Nora Ephron is gonna be in there Ursula K Le Guin mm-hmm. uh, David Rakoff um,
0: we're doing Herman Melville. This will Herman be Herman
1: Melville. This
0: will be the year I read Moby Dick.
1: Yeah, I'm I I don't know. We'll see how much <laughs> I get through. Uh I think I'm going to read Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah, you should. People read. keep telling yeah. me to read that. Um who else who else we got? Craig Johnson. We'll
0: be circling back to Craig oh, Johnson. Oh, we're
1: finishing out the year with Craig Johnson. One um, of those, you know, imagine ourselves in December we'll imagine ourselves in one of those blustery Wyoming winters that he's always finding himself trudging through
0: (laughs) um let's see uh we're gonna do Toni Morrison Susan Orlean
1: Susan Orlean that one's gonna be fun um is that all of them
0: Louise Erdrich
1: Louise Erdrich
0: another favorite of mine
1: yeah and of mine yeah Mm -hmm. we're very excited neither uh, of us has gotten to read her latest
0: yeah and then we keep thinking like oh we should have picked that like I was talking about Kurt Vonnegut yesterday it's like, we should have pecked him. It's yeah. like, and then who would we not do?
1: Our list our list for season two of this challenge <laughs> yeah. is growing already. Mm. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about this Kiss Quotient Bride Test Heart Principle?
1: Well, you know, I, I think I'm going to finish the trilogy here, mm-hmm. even though I don't have to, um, which I think is a good sign.
0: Yeah. I think so, too. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for this chat.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Um, We'll be back. Very soon. Very soon. Late February. To talk about um, the the work of Jason Reynolds. Um, This has been Your Shelf. Or mine. I'm Becky.
1: And I'm Austin. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Support for Your Shelf or Mine comes from the Friends of the Longview Public Library, the Longview Library Foundation, and listeners like you. Your Shelf Mind jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldry from A Song for You. Find Megan online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry.